This is the Slip Disc Back Chat Podcast with Rainer Hirsch and Norman Lebrecht. Well, hello and welcome once again to Back Chat, which is the podcast of Slip Disc. My name is Rainer Hirsch. I'm Norman Lebrecht. What a pleasure it is to see you again. What have you been up to this week, Norman? Oh, well, mostly wrapping presents, isn't what everybody else been doing. Really? I've noted quite a lot of a handle for Hanukkah. What's that all about um, on the website? Um, handle, as you know, came to London and after a while went bust because the, a faction of the aristocracy wouldn't support his opera. I admire him for that, by the way. I admire him for putting his sticky his neck out and getting it chopped off. That's happened to a few people, by the way. Andre Rieu is another one who I admire for that ability to... He's, he's made a fortune, but he's yeah. lost it as well. And Handel bounced back as well, because he looked around and he said, well, I don't have to play for the aristocracy, do I? I mean, there are, this is London, 1730s, mm. and there, are, there, 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 there is new wealth coming in, and it's mostly with nonconformists, mm. with Methodists, and with uh, the rising Jewish community. Mm. And he says to himself, what do they have in common? Yeah. Said, Old Testament. Right. right. So he starts writing Old Testament oratorios. Judas Maccabeus. Judas Maccabeus, which is actually the first work of of, of Western, uh, uh, first Western concert work with a Jewish hero, mm. and it's brilliantly timed because um, it um, coincides with the defeat of the Scotch upstarts. And, and the Hanoverians defeated them soundly and very bloodily, as it right. happened. And that defeat coincide, coincided with Judas Maccabeus. So right. he not only had the middle classes coming, right. and the Jewish community coming, but Scots. he also had you know, royal support and everything else. So right. it, all, it all worked out terribly well. As a result, See the Conquering Hero comes from Judas Maccabeus, which you're about to sing to us. Um, <laughs> is sung in synagogues on Hanukkah. Is it? Mm-hmm. In right. England only. There we go. We didn't Probably not in Scotland. Because there was a comment on the website saying, you know, why isn't this done more often? Jewish people don't do it because Handel wasn't Jewish. But they do, apparently. They do. They so right. do. That one number. There we are. We've got a packed programme for you. Uh, I've got a couple of teasers. Uh, the first one, rather obscure, but this. Indirect reference. Oh, Rainer, right, you're lowering the tone. Something that's the... Blue Danuboid, uh, famed, of course, across the world, but started life in Vienna, the area of our discussions. Uh, here's, here's another one which I think might evoke some thoughts. <coughs> That's the sound of a man coughing in an empty theatre. And one final, because we've got to do something festive. You know, it's Hanukkah, we're coming up to Christmas. Uh, what about this? So, all that to come and more. Isn't that a football song? <laughs> it is now. All that to come and more. There are adverts in our show. Forgive us for the adverts, but we do like our sponsors. And here they are, a speaking. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back. So, um, few stories. Whatever, whatever that last advert was, I've ordered one from Amazon. <laughs> I, yeah, that's, whatever that is, we'll find out when we listen to the program. Um, so the first thing um, which I referred to in my little teaser, which I think is quite critical pretty much for the whole industry, is this. <coughs> and it was the story, year-end news, Concertgebouw has lost one-third of its patrons, and that was on December the 19th. News that the uh, Concertgebouw, the famous concert hall in Amsterdam, um, has basically had a third fewer visitors this year. Now, slight question, debate, is that people going around, you know, looking at the wonderful sights of the building and stuff, or is it people attending concerts? Because there's quite a lot of comments saying, well, actually, yeah, in fact, the, the Royal Conjunctural Orchestra, that is what attended. But um, I think I wanted to, to extend that into where are we now with the COVID pandemic in terms of audiences? Very hard to be precise about it, because I received the press release in double Dutch, and Google Translate only removed one of the Dutchess. So there, there are areas of ambiguity here. But they all speak such fantastic English, don't they? they you thought really when they want to. Right. When they, <laughs> um, so I think they kept it deliberately ambiguous. There's not an awful lot to do in the Concertgebouw unless you go to a concert. Um, I don't think there's a very good cafe attached if memory serves me. But yeah, I mean, whatever it was, either concert attendance or footfall is seriously down. It's down to two thirds of what it was before COVID. And that's a worry. Um, the other worry is that costs are going through the roof yeah. because of the energy crisis and everything else. So yeah. in common with every other concert hall, it goes into the end of the year with a massive headache, yeah. trying to work out what it can possibly do to bring an audience back. And I'm, I'm seeing trends um, that suggests that things are not going to be what they used to be. Yeah. Um, people are talking of giving concerts with added attractions. Um, I've just had a list of um, what the BBC is going to be doing with its orchestras in the next six months, unless it's actually decommissioning them. Um, and, and a lot of these involved concerts with add-ons, um, with actors, with dance, with this and that and the other. So. Uh, the concert, pure and simple, is under challenge now from audience defection um, and from various other social causes. And the new trend is going to be concerts plus. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that and when we first spoke, which was in the summer in America, we, we talked about the proms. And the proms were down to, well, you know, who knows the figures, only the BBC. 60, 70 down at mm. any rate 
significantly in their income and their visitors. And there was uh, stories of tickets being given away. In fact, I do know, I went to a concert at the Proms and uh, I was told subsequently that, you know, uh, members of the BBC Symphony Orchestra were given tickets to give to their mates. And one violinist gave away 23 tickets. So it's, that was pretty grim then. That was the summer. And we thought, okay, well, you know, that was the summer. We're still recovering. Now we're heading into the winter, which has not only got the problems associated uh, with it, you know, the pandemic, it's got that historic thing. I'm not doing a New Year's Eve show this year hmm. because it was cancelled the last two years and we've lost the rhythm and the audiences are down. I just want to take that risk. Lost the rhythm, got the blues. That. Boom. That too. That, you know, I'm going to use that when it <laughs> goes rough with, for me at the Kuragan Hall, wherever it is. I'm <laughs> but anyway, the fact is, um, we're now in a kind of post, we are in a truly post-pandemic era. We can think, okay, we've, we've kind of forgotten that a little bit. Yeah. We're no longer wearing masks. Mm. Most of us aren't. Some places, Spain and Germany, they're wearing it on public transport. But the rest of us are carrying on like normal. Uh, but audiences aren't coming back, and that's a big problem. Yeah, it, it's... Um something uh, has got to give. I mean, either, either um, people are going to be attracted by innovation or they're going to be attracted by something like a perception of outstanding performance. I remember Daniel Barenboim's last uh, Beethoven sonata cycle at the Festival Hall, which he gave over eight nights. Yeah. And you couldn't get a ticket. I mean, it was people were hanging from the rafters. Right. And I found myself sitting next to two lovely young women who told me they'd never been to a Beethoven recital in their life and they'd never heard of Daniel Barenboim before. Right. But, but clearly this was the place to be. The town had the Barenboim buzz and that sent people going there. Um, one way is going to be, yes, having events of that calibre and another is being more inventive, both with the content of concerts and with the timing of concerts. Are we putting on concerts at the right time? I've been arguing for years, no. Well, hang on a second. I mean, you talk about the, the quality. There are only so many Barenboims in the world. And, there mm. are, you know, if you are in... And it's a shrinking market. Yeah. If you're, if and you're, I don't know if you saw on Slip Disc, but the one Barenboim that there is turned out... It's an Argentine on supporter. ...on the World Cup final day in an Argentina shirt. I did a Messi, Lionel Messi. Even I know who Lionel Messi is now. The fact is, there's only a certain number of people that can attract the audience. There's only a certain number of people at the top. And then the vast body of people are occupying a space below that where they have to sell the thing on their own mm. merits. And what you're saying, I think, is that, you know, yeah, you've got to up the added value. Yeah. Um, maybe, I mean, is this also a, um, a feature of, you know, 21st century you know, life is that we haven't got the attention span anymore and we've kind of woken up. This pandemic has shaken everything up and actually has made uh, the audience less keen on you know, doing what it used to do and, and accordingly, you know, traditional forms of entertainment, the one and a half hour concert, the four hour opera, just doesn't tick the box enough for enough people. Well, there's, there's, there's no, um, I don't think there's been any difference in the attention span. The average concert is no longer than a football match with extra time. Um, the only difference between a concert and a football match with extra time is with the concert, you know how it's going to end. Right. Ah, okay. Okay. So there, there's a kind of lack of dramatic tension, and that's yeah. maybe one of the add-ons. Now, if you were to present a concert with Daniel Craig as narrator, I don't think you'd have a problem selling it out. Yeah. Um, there are still a number of individual artists who regularly sell out. I won't name them because I don't want to shame the others, but there are about half a dozen soloists who can sell any major hall on earth. Um, 
And for the rest, yeah, we just need to be lighter on our feet. Here's something. There's a group that's doing something interesting. It was an interesting story, I thought. December 22nd, Shostakovich, fifth orchestra players break into dance. Here are some of the orchestra players, and this is what they're doing. I need not tell you, that is Shostakovich's Fifth Symphony, the scherzo movement, whatever it's called. Um, and that has been performed by the Geneva Camerata, who were on stage, playing that from memory, uh, engaging with dancers, and all dressed up, and themselves performing. Not really just kind of, not like lamely moving around the stage, but really engaging the dancing as well as from, from the clips I saw. Mm. And maybe, you know, that is something that is something that's significant add-on, people are going to see an actual act of theatre. And by the way, um, there's, another, there's another strand of that going on, the Aurora Orchestra playing things from memory. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you mentioned you know, bringing dramatic tension, I think that's what that whole playing from memory enables an orchestra to do. Suddenly, it makes it back into a, an item of theatre. Exactly. And do you know what I absolutely hate mm. in my life? Mm. Is going to see tired American orchestras. You walk into the performance space and there they are on stage playing through the difficult bits. Those people for me, for my money, have forgotten what the theatre of the concert hall means. That them walking out onto the stage and assuming the position and then the concert master walking out and then the conductor, that is an act of theatre. So I'm very keen, when I have the opportunity to work with orchestras from North America, do me a favour, let's tune off stage and let's come on together and make it an entrance. Well, that actually does do something very special and they really made a, a work of art out of it, which I, which I thought was very interesting. I, I was hugely impressed by this video. I mean, this is an Israeli conductor called David Grailsamer and his chamber orchestra in Vienna. And they like to dance. I mean, they don't want to be stuck on their chairs. They, the players actually like to get up and dance and they are having a ball. They have found the moves in Shostakovich 5. I mean, Stalin sat through that thing and couldn't see the moves. Mm. But these boys and girls just love it. Mm. And they're break dancing. Imagine break dancing in DSCH. <laughs> Downside. You've got to unpack that. <laughs> Downside, DSCH, the initials that Shostakovich used, for her secret codes within his right, and he played those, that, those, those, those exhibit themselves as themes in the music. Indeed they do. And the downside to it, I'm not sure that this is a downside, is this will totally split your audience. Because the first responses, the first comments on strip disc are, disgusting, audible, wish I'd never seen it, and so forth. But others, me included, think, you know, this is a way forward. This is actually, this is restoring uh, concert performance to a performance art. I can't see anything wrong with it. None of it's done with taste and in tune and in rhythm. I don't care too much how much, you know, whether it's done in taste or not, because it's, you know, somebody else's, as long as they've exercised artistic judgment, judgment with it. Yep. It may not be to my yep. liking, but I saw that and thought that is really great. Um, but have, you'd, you'd pay to see that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, whereas you might possibly not pay to see a weary touring orchestra doing Shostakovich 5 with a conductor that you haven't heard of. However, I have seen a few performances from memory, all at the hands of the Aurora Orchestra. I went this year to see them do Beethoven 5 mm. and have seen them do the Erotica uh, mm. some years back. And mm. there's other versions, Eroica, sorry. No, keep the tune. So, um, mm. 
Um, uh, and I have to say, I'll have another tea. <laughs> if that might do, and a mince pie for me, please. Mm. Um, <laughs> I have to say, I after I after I've sat, after I've enjoyed the theatre of the fact the the, the theatre of the thing, the fact they're away from their need to look at the music. Um, I found myself thinking, do you know what? What really this really needs is a significant interpretation to be layered on top of this facility that the players have got. Because basically, they go away, they memorise their parts. Now, I know people who've played in the Aurora Orchestra and say, well, they've got a system for it now, but originally it took them about a month to memorise Brahms, why not? Especially if you're playing, you know, the viola part or something, pretty nondescript, no tunes, except once in a blue moon, um, you're playing in the harmony. And um, so there they've got this facility, but they've essentially developed their interpretation throughout that month of practicing. Mm. And so it, it highlights the whole question of what a conductor actually does in that environment, because there you've got what are 30, 40, 50 players who know the thing so well, they've got their own version of it. Of course, they then might practice in, in sections and so on, but you've got to have an absolute iron fist, artistic, not necessarily the dictatorial iron fist, but you have to have a very clear vision. And I'm afraid to say in those rural performances, I, I saw, I just felt it was boring, really. I, the theatre is wonderful, and, I, and all the thing it, you're talking about, bringing people back to the, to the concert hall, and for some people out there really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as well, but then after five minutes, once they're not too worn off, I thought, if somebody could do something with this memorisation that they, these kids have gone through, and by the way, they are kids in the rural orchestra, mm. they're young professionals, as, by the way, are the Geneva Camerata. They are not crusty pros who would never do that. They would never devote the time to it. You'll never see the London Symphony Orchestra playing from memory, and that, that's my challenge out to the London Symphony Orchestra, but you mm. just won't. They haven't got the time, they haven't got the people who are interested in, that you need young people like that. And maybe that's, they're providing, they're lighting the fire under the bottoms of those traditional orchestras to create something new. I have reservations about Aurora. Um, I think the idea is a good one. I see no problem with, with people playing from memory. Apart from anything else, if they don't have scores in front of them, it means they have to look at the conductor. And in that case, the conductor has to deliver added value. He actually mm. has to deliver a, an interpretation that is distinctive and in certain ways different mm. from others. And mm. I'm not getting that with Aurora. Mm. I'm just getting a routine erotica. Absolutely. Uh, I yeah. beg your pardon. I, 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 actually, uh, I completely uh, and agree. The, I, the conductor yeah. is, is Nicholas Colon. That's yeah. with a double L. Mm. Uh, no T's. And... <laughs> Um, or Coyun, as they might say in Spain. <laughs> um, he has another orchestra in Finland. Yeah. He doesn't make them learn, learn it by half over there because the Finns wouldn't take to it. Yeah, yeah. And it seems to me to be more gestural than substantial. Mm. Um, this is a way of signalling to the funders and the sponsors, mm. oh, look how different we are. Mm. But they're not musically different. I'm not getting the musical energy out mm. of them that I got out of the Geneva Camerata when they're playing Shostakovich Fifth. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. 
That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Anyway, okay, so that is that. And talking about Vienna, uh, I'm going to play you again my little teaser because I enjoyed it so much. That is the... <laughs> That is the only, of course, of the first waltz, because, you know, the Blue Danube is more than just one waltz. It's, that's the big tune, but there are others, as we know, that make five altogether, which make up the Blue Danube. And um, this is reference. And it's real music. There is a... I, I don't know whether you know this, but um, Johann Strauss and Johannes Brahms, apart from sharing, mm. practically sharing first mm. name, they used to play cards every yeah. Wednesday evening. Mm-hmm. And they were good mates. And um, there is a picture of them in full fig playing cards, and underneath it, it's signed by Brahms. Uh, Brahms puts, scribbles out the opening bars of uh, the Blue Danube and says, Leider nicht von Johannes Brahms. Sadly, not by Brahms. Let me correct So that. It's actually, it's Johannes uh, Brahms has offered the fan by Mrs. Strauss, whose name oh. I can't remember, because it, you know, and signing people's fans was a thing. She said, ah. "Would you sign it?" Yes. And he wrote out the opening theme of the Blue Dan, that that tune, and right and broke said on that, you know. Well, sort of, I'm going to trump that because I've got a copy. Got it. I've got a copy of the original photograph with Brahms' signature on it. Okay, all right. Well, there we go. Okay, you, we will outdo one another with stories about Johann Strauss. Uh, anyway, I, uh, that is the famous Blue Danube and refers in my roundabout way to the story about the Burg Theater which is in Vienna, um, which has just lost its chief. Um, and I thought before we talked about that book theater, which this is a story that happened on the 20th of December, and it was headed, Vienna director quits amid political meddling. And there was much talk about that. But I just wanted to, let's just draw, draw the scene in Vienna, the, the places you can go and see music, the famous places, the Staatsoper, mm. state opera, basically, which is, you know, where the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra when it's when it's actually working as opposed to you know doing concerts when they're, when they're on salary when they're on salary basically when they you know they accompany the opera that's what yeah. is the, that, yeah. and that is what the um, Vienna Philharmonic is they accompany the opera yeah. and when they get out of the opera house then they are the Vienna Philharmonic but the Burg Theater is its is its companion in straight theater in spoken theater yeah. you never hear a note of music in the Burg Theater not intentionally anyway okay so that, let me let's go on to the Musikverein which mm. is just which is a venue that's a yeah. place obviously you can see it, where you see the New Year's Day concert. Mm. Uh, the Golden Hall there, fantastic. Mm. I mean, people uh, listening to this uh, podcast would know that. There is the Vienna Concert House. Uh, Which is on, wonderful. On the Landstrasse. On the Landstrasse. Which Landstrasse. Yeah. And then there's the Volkstheater, the Volksoper, which, mm. um, which is, that was ENO. Let's not talk, let's not go there. Not that go was there, ENO. Yeah. And then there's, then there's Theater under Wien. There is Theater, which, which sounds like it is, you know, hang on a second, Wien is the German word for Vienna. So what you're talking about, the Wien River used to flow by that theater. Mm. And they have a concert, an, an opera season, but it's, it tends to be sort of chambery music, chambery operas, Menotti Offenbach, the idiot uh, Weinberg is doing. They're doing, but they're in Albenberg Lulu actually later on yeah. in 2015. Yeah. So that's the setting, mm. right? Now tell us what's happened with well, this the, these, the, all of these wonderful institutions. Most of these wonderful institutions come under a supposedly a quasi non-governmental independent body, um, which grants them their own independence until the government decides to intervene, in which case it just simply beheads them and says to whoever is the general director at the time, no, we're not renewing you. That's it. And, and it just happens periodically in Vienna. And the issue of political interference in Vienna theatres and opera houses and concert halls 
hasn't really changed since imperial times. It was like that in Mahler's day. And here at the Burgtheater, there is a pretty well-known uh, director called Martin Cousset, who is also is a considerable director of opera, quite a controversial director of opera. Yeah. And he put in for a second term, right. thinking, well, I haven't done badly in the first five years. And the minister says to him, no, that's it. No, you're off. Right. And the next day, announces somebody else, some Swiss nobody's heard of before. Uh, the same thing happened at the Staatsoper. There was an extremely good French Alsatian called Dominique Maillard, who was the general director and was running it on excellent lines. Not a dog, and not a dog. He had been told on the Friday that his contract was, a, concert was about to be re- his contract was about to re- be renewed. On the Monday morning, he found he'd been replaced mm. because the minister had found um, a mate of his from school in Linz and thought he'd do a better job. So it's, it's not a way to run theatrical life or musical life. And there is an awful lot in Vienna. You get the glitz, you get the gloss, you get the New Year's Day concert, you get, you get the certain sheen and you get the occasional excellence. But within it all, it's really dirty politics. Right, why Mara once said Vienna is a snake pit. Yes, he did, he did, yes. Um, yeah. So Martin Cousset, uh, we're mm. not entirely, forgive us Mr. Cousset, Herr Pousset, K-U-S-E-J. But if he wants a job, he should come to Slip Disc and we'll see what we can find. <laughs> there might be some research post, you can research how to pronounce names. <laughs> um, he said, myself and the entire Burgtheater were manoeuvred into an unspeakable, damaging situation by the late and lengthy decision-making process on the future of the Burgtheater management, he said. So in other words, he, he felt he'd been, you know, um, nobbled. Yeah, yeah, they've got some Liz Truss in the in the Austrian government mm. who thought, oh, let's try something different. Right. Let's crash the country or the theatre. A few comments on the website. IP, that's his name, mm. on the, says, uh, uh, this is real bad news. It might give him more time to meddle with operas. That is uh, the above-mentioned Martin Cousset. Mm. And Alfredo Source says, another stunning world artist bullied out by PC politicians who know nothing of art or what audiences need. The man is a genius. So there you go. He's, you know, he's, he's doing something different and that doesn't always fit well with, you know, government management, you know, the, you know, they want whatever they want. They, you know, they have a different... That's uh, what you call a no-score draw. I thought you had a football story for I me. I do have a football story for you, actually. The yeah. first one is Kylian Mbappe, oh. who was that fantastic French striker, mm. uh, scored a hat-trick, mm. not since Sir Jeff Hurst, not, not to be confused with Jeff Hirsch, but, you know, he probably changed his name when he came over in 1939. Um, has that happened? He scored a hat trick and very a super exciting match. I'm not a massively football, I'm not a big football fan, but I really enjoyed that match and I, you know, I focus on those competitions. Anyway, Kylian Mbappe, who was is the French striker, hopefully we'll see more of him in future World Cups and finals. Um, French media groping into his, you know, his backstory, discover the fact that he used to play the flute, transverse flute. and Seven a... years, seven years he went to the conservatoire. It's yeah. not, not a real conservatoire, I mean, it'd be a little music school because he's, he's from one of the banlieues of Paris. One of... Bondy. Uh, Bondy. Which is, I can tell you, it's a... Outskirts, com- yes. Bondy is a commune yes. in the northeastern of suburbs of Paris. Thank you very and much. And I do this accent very well. With, so, with... no French... Are there any French listeners out there? Please, please write to tell me how I outrage you. 10.9 kilometers away from the center. So it's kind of out there. I don't know. It's, it's out there. And so the criminal where you live. Seven years. Yeah. Um, 
he goes to his flute teacher, teacher yeah. for lessons, and she thinks he's great because he's always the first one to turn up, and he, he tries the Sang hardest, the and he works the hardest, yes, yeah. Sang and the so there is Kylian Mbappe in the World Cup final yeah. when he could have been playing the flute in the <laughs> Orchestre Nationale du Capitole de Toulouse. Where did it all go right? Where did he it? could have been in the G Geneva Camerata. Can I just say, the, so... I think the post may still be open. <laughs> Listen, um, Bondi mm. is, a, is, a, is this commune, and it, I looked it up on Wikipedia. Of the 29 notable people from Bondi, this mm -hmm. area, this kind of region in uh, Bonlieu, Paris, yes. 14 are footballers, not some writers, no musicians. From which I say, I mean, it's very, I think, I think it's an ethnically diverse area, and maybe, you know, sport is the way kids there express mm. themselves, and a bit of flute playing, as it turns out. Mm. So here's another uh, football story, which is, <laughs> this is uh, Jonas Kaufmann, um, who has recorded um, Silent Night uh, for uh, FC Bayern Munich. Um, and he, they have got, he's joined by, I think, there the are pictures in the video or people associated, footballers I don't recognise, of course. And then and he's joined by some of the most melodious football fans I have ever heard. Listen, listen to this, here he is. Jonas Kaufmann singing for the Reds, as you described it, on the 22nd of Deeply December. Deeply phony, isn't it? I mean, could you imagine any tenor ever out singing a football crowd? Jonas Kaufmann, he's noted um, for his versatility in repertoire and performing roles in different languages. But I have to say, the middle verse is in French, but I had to listen to it twice to work out that's what the language he was. You see, it was, it was a, I wish I'd recorded. I did actually cut out, I just thought, this is so weird, I can't even listen to it, but it was French. It was um, medieval Bavarian French. <laughs> Dating back to a time when, you know, uh, Regensburg was, was known as Ratisburg. They, they kicked pig skins through the village uh, on New Year's Day. Um, okay, Christmas presents uh, this year. I've got two Christmas presents lined mm. up for our mm. listeners. One is you can become a member of Slip Disc. A subscriber. And the other thing you can do, by the way, is you can buy tickets for my April Fool's Day gala uh, at Cadogan Hall. Please do go onto my website, rainerhost.com, and find out which has got Evelyn Glennie and uh, a few others that will be making fun, making light, adding value. Who else apart from Evelyn Glennie? Uh, Zeb Soames. Yes. Who, who used to yes. be on, for those people who used to be on Radio 4 now. So mellifluous. That dulcet tones on. Mm. He's going to be doing attempting an orchestrated chipping forecast. For those Would American be... listeners, basically that is this bizarre ritual that happens at a certain point on BBC Radio in which the uh, weather conditions in coastal regions. North you know, of Sierra. South, south of Sierra. Of Sierra. <laughs> So we even know it, even though we don't even know where those places are. Hmm. And uh, it's... Uh, no, Dogger. It's like listening to poetry, basically. Anyway, mm -hmm. he is going to set that to music, and he's going to be a chord... And it's going to be funny. It's all the whole thing's funny. And there's a guy called Harry the Piano who improvises. We're going to improvise a Mozart piano concerto, and James Oldfield, Oldfield, who's going to have his Largo Alfactotum translated, and that is not a euphemism. Anyway, com. <laughs> go on that. And the final thing I wanted to talk about today was... Well, I think it's always important to mark, you know, the passing of... Uh, great musicians, really. Um, and this one was a guy I mentioned on the 21st of December, Stanley Drucker, who 
who played at the New York Philharmonic Orchestra. He was a clarinetist. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, there were a lot of good clarinet players in America, and some of them were jazz men. One of them was Benny Goodman. Yeah, Aaron Copland wrote yeah. his concerto for Benny Goodman. Yeah, and strings, and Stanley Drucker, who was principal clarinet of the New York Philharmonic, said, "Get over. This is mine." And he was the the defining player of the clarinet concerto, which opens with this most wonderful Mahlerian phrase. Um, and he was, for 60 years, he was a fixture in the New York Philharmonic. Yeah. And forevermore, since they've been recorded so many times. Um, and now he's gone to a better place at the age of 93. Very nice man by all means, and, and always open to young people coming up to him and say, well, how do you do this and how do you do that? And he'd just give freely of his time and show them. Yeah. Well, a remarkable musician remembered uh, in the comments, Jay Barcelo, 721st, says, sad, now all three of my clarinet heroes from my youth are gone. Stanley Drucker, Anthony Gigliotti from Philadelphia, and Jack Briner uh, from... Of the LSO. For LSO and RPO. Yeah, yeah. Here is to close to say thanks very much. Norman, I'm Rainer. Thank you so much, Rainer. I'm Norman. Happy uh, festive period, whatever and, that means to you. And have a wonderful New Year. And a very prosperous New Year. And here to close is uh, Stanley Drucker playing with the New York Philharmonic, conducted by a man to whom Aaron Copeland showed the score before it had even written just some ideas. Leonard Bernstein, the closing bit of the Copeland Planet Concerto. Music.